podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. The Unholy Trinity Podcast. Three blues, three opinions, one Everton podcast. Welcome to episode 209 of the Unholy Trinity podcast, brought to you in association with Sports Social, Europe's biggest sports podcast network, and also Fanatics. Apologies, no no podcast last week uh, with the Monday Night Football and, and other commitments. Uh, maybe it was a blessing in disguise after what we witnessed at Goodison Park, that's for sure. Uh, but this morning we're back, post-Brighton, disappointed to come away with a point in the end after what happened in, in stoppage time. Um, but a lot of a lot of crossovers, I think, from the Palace game into the Brighton game, especially those those early minutes, it's got to be said. Um, but Peter, is the overall the overall feeling, would you say, after the last week, one of one of disappointments? I think I think for me that the result yesterday on on balance probably evens it out a little bit. I think you'd look at the Palace game and and see it as a game that you know we we probably should have won. Um, I, again, you know, a point saved. They're almost like mirror images of of themselves, aren't they? The, the two games, you know, before the Palace game, I think most Blues would have um, would have expected three points and would have expected us to play a lot better than we did. And then against Brighton, we kind of picked up where we left off, um, certainly most of the first half, but then went ahead with a brilliant goal and have probably come away um, feeling pretty gutted that we, you know, we um, we didn't manage to hold out for all of, you know, uh, 99 or 109, 120, however many minutes they wanted to um to pull out of the the hat with a with a rabbit to stick on at the end of the game, um, so I, I mean on, yeah on balance disappointed not to, not to win the Palace game but I think the Brighton points a really really good point and you know look at the end of the day it, it's two more games unbeaten and it, it's two more points to um, you know kind of edge onto the ledger as we're we're trying to pull away from. From Luton, um, I know some fans of you know are going on about oh you know we still haven't won and are getting very concerned with that. But I, th- I think you've got to look at the, the, the games we've had, um, and you know for me it's it's, it's the performances. I think our, our performances have dropped off a little bit, uh, but I think there are a lot of positives for us maybe to get into from the Brighton game and try and take away to go forward. Yeah, I think, I think <clears throat> with the Brighton game especially, it's always the manner in which. You, you drop points, isn't it? You know, and if you, if you look at it before the game and you said you're going to come away with the points, and if Everton scored an equaliser in stoppage time, you'd then say, that's a point gain, it's a good point. I think it's always, obviously, you know, six after the game, you, you look at the reaction and you, you, you're hugely disappointed. You know, you, <clears throat> you're leading the game. Um, there's a man sent off, of course, and he throws up nine minutes stoppage time. I don't think, by the way... I think it would have been sort of six or seven anyway, to be honest. So it wouldn't have impacted them scoring a goal, I wouldn't have thought. However, you know, it's, it's you, you look at that and you think, you know, g- give us a chance. You, you see that kind of number and you think, you know, I could deal with five or six, but but nine's a long time. It's, you know, almost 10 minutes is, is a long, long time. But I think the manner in which, obviously, we conceded the goal so late, you always then will look and go, well, it's two points dropped. And understandably so. I said yesterday on social media states after, do we look back on this maybe at some point as a good point? I think, as I say, I think before the game, you know, the, the seventh Brighton, the, you, you progressed in the Europa League, 
he played some lovely football. They're a good side, well coached, some some real quality. You look, look at the bench, look at the players he brought on yesterday, um, and a couple of players that they had missing as well in in Jao Pedro and Matoma. They're, they're a good, strong outfit, um, but obviously the disappointment stems from conceding that goal, that goal so late. Um, but what what are your thoughts on on that league and on on the Palace game as well in terms of you know is, was there a hangover from that maybe because that, that first twenty minutes against Brighton we were we were massively backs against the wall wasn't it and there was a lot of pressure a lot of a lot of corners coming in from Brighton and Everton just didn't didn't settle until after, after sort of those first twenty did they? I think you you coined it at the very start of the show there in terms of there's a lot of parallels between the games wasn't there particularly the first halves. Um, so you have to look at it and go, is that a conscious thing from us? There's definitely been a shift change. You know, I text you boys um, at half time um, yesterday and said, like, where's the Everton of you know early to mid December? You know, when we were you know going away from home and obviously being resolute and being tough to beat, but when you know we were having 15, 20 shots in a game, and so look at the stats and see zero shots attempted, not even zero on target, zero shots attempted. I was thinking this, this, this is there's a, something bigger going on here because I, I genuinely think now until we get this points um, decision, I think Daish is just batting down the hatches, isn't he? And going right, any points a good point. No, any points a good point when you're down there anyway. We know that, but there's definitely been a shift change. I think as soon as we got that points hit, we we were already in half form anyway before the points deduction. Uh, and then we had that run, didn't we, in December, like I said, where we won four on the spin in all comps. And then we got, obviously, a chunk of those points back. Now, again, you have to question, was that a retaliation from the players to go, right, we want these back as quick as possible? But there's definitely been a drop in terms of the start. You know, Sean Dyche is a pragmatic manager. We know that. But, you know, at the moment, it, it's it's... It's literally, we're on like Rafa Benitez territory, Sam Allardyce territory, aren't we? You know what I mean? When you get into the stage, you're not even, you're not even carrying a threat. And, and obviously there was a, you know, a complete change in the second half. Um, and then that, there's no coincidence, by the way, that Onana coming on helped that. Because what he gives you when he comes on the pitch is, you know, we progress the ball through midfield a lot better. You know, he's an athlete, he gets about the pitch. You know, we we commented, didn't we, Mike, in the Palace game when we were watching it through the letterbox up in the main stand there. Um, we we commented about how the difference he makes with the way he passes the ball. He passes it with intent. He fizzes it. You know, it's none of these sort of half-assed passes that are bobbling, and you know the player has to check and control it, or you know he he just has that sort of authority in midfield. And you know, would he have come on as early as he did yesterday if it wasn't for? You know, Garner Gay getting injured, probably not. He probably would have come on again in the 65th, 70th minute, wouldn't he? Judging by Dyche's previous experience with substitutes. And, you know, he made us a better side. Don't get me wrong, we didn't suddenly turn into Barcelona by any means, but we carried more of a threat. And and obviously, second half, look, based on the chances, you'd probably say we, we, we probably should have nicked it. But let's not get away from it. Brighton were the better team overall. You know, they... They're, they're like a, um, a sort of mini Man City, the way they knock it about. You know, they've got some lovely players. The Zerbi's got them well set up. You know, they've got creativity flowing through that side. Um, you know, we spoke after the game, didn't you? Look at their bench, even. You know, you've got the likes of Anzu Fati on the bench. You've got, you know, what a, what a young what a young talent he is. They take off Buonanotte and they bring on Enciso. You know, play, players like that, you know, what we'd give just for one of those types of creative players. But going back to the point, I, I just think, 
there's a real, it'd be interesting what you two think. There's definitely been a real shift change the way Daesh is, is setting us up and, and you know, the Palace game in, in particular in the week, the game's there for the taking and the fact he's playing, you know, Ashley Young and Godfrey down the right, which basically gives us zero attacking intent down that side. Um, and then obviously playing, you know, James Garner and Adrissa Gay almost is just to say, look, we've got legs in there to basically shut, shut down spaces. I do think... I do think there's definitely been a shift change in the way he's trying to just get a point everywhere he can at the minute. Yeah, I mean, you, you mentioned obviously the, <clears throat> the the appeal situation, which we're going to bring in anyway at some point. So, <clears throat> excuse me, it's a good time to probably do it now um, because it's it's something which is is massively on the mind of, of everybody, isn't it? You know, the, the players, James James Garner came out, didn't he, with a, a, an interview in the last the last few days or so saying, you know, it's on his mind. Sean Dice alluded to it for for the first time um, after Thursday's press conference about it. You know, it it, it is impacting in a way now uh, because you know we're over three weeks as we, as we record on a Sunday morning. It's over three weeks now. Apparently, three weeks was sort of a minimum. But you think about it, and you think you know you're not going through the the same amount of information as you they had to go through after that first hearing. This is an appeal hearing, so you you're not representing the same information again. You know, you're looking at different points. You, you're looking, obviously, Everton will have picked up their appeal points, which are presenting. Um, so it's not, you're not going through the same, you know, reams and reams of, of paper and, and things like that. So you think, you know, why why is it taking so long? It's no good for, for us as a football club. It's no good for the teams around us, that's for sure. You know, we're going to go into a second charge, potentially. You know, maybe the second charge goes away. Who, who knows? Uh, but we're going to go into a second charge very, very shortly, the next the next couple of weeks, really. But we can't get into that until this is dealt with. And we need to know where we are. So I think at this particular point, I, mean, I think we alluded to when we recorded um, a, a, about sort of 10 days ago, it's almost as if now there's a bit of a, a lull. Everton are sort of in no man's land, if you, if you see what I mean. So the, the, the fan base are on edge about getting this the, uh, the decision on this appeal. The players are certainly... Be in that mindset. The manager, you know, if, if we're going to, if we've got Palace comes to Goodison Park and, and we're sitting there on, on 29 points, which we should be on, then we set up differently and we approach the game differently. It's a lot more relaxed. You know, you're a mid-table side. There's no thought of relegation. Going to Brighton yesterday. Don't get me wrong. I think after the first sort of 20, as much as we weren't in attack and threat, Everton looked at, you know, they were organised. And in my opinion, you know, even after the, the Brandweight goal, we had some chances. You know, we had, and before, you know, Beto should have done better with, with the header. Uh, Beto went through one-on-one, should have done better. Um, Harrison had one way, you know, he could have bent it into the, into the far corner. Everton had chances as the game opened up. Um, I mean, let's, let's not forget that clearance by Lampsey was unbelievable as well. What, what an effort from Decore. That was, that was like deja vu all over again. A volley from Neil Cross to the back post, wasn't it? You know what of I mean? course. You know, what, what a strike that is. And, and you know, for, for the defender to drop back on the line and think, you know, it's going to go over the goalkeeper. I better get there. It was, it's great defending at the end of the day. But Everton had chances. Let's not forget that. But I think that it is playing into the mind of how the manager is going about games because if you have got 30, 31 points when you're approaching, you're going into a game, you're so much more relaxed, aren't you? You can play football, you know, the, the pressure's off you. You know, you can you can do things a little bit differently because you've got points on the board. We're sitting with minus 10. We're waiting for this, this appeal decision to come back in. You have things, you know, uh, you had outlets saying last weekend, no evidence should expect to hear in the next 24, 48 hours. 
So you, you, you sort of, you're pinning your hopes on hearing about the, the outcome and it doesn't come and it's got to play into, into the minds of people because at the end of the day, they, they are people. So they're not robots. They, they, they're not devoid of emotional feeling. And it's, it's exactly the same for us. Um, and, you know, at, at Goodison Park on Monday, it was very, very flat. It doesn't help, obviously, how, how everything sets up. And, and, you know, the first half especially, you know, we, we, we weren't great at all on the ball. Palace weren't great, you know, missing the, 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 the three best players. Um, but Everton didn't have anything about them at all to try and take the game by the scruff of the neck. But the, the crowd were very, very flat. Um, and then yesterday, I think there was a bit of a hangover from that game until we sort of improved things really when Onana came on, you know, straight after half-time pretty much, wasn't it? And the game changed. But what 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 do you think, Pete, about this this, this whole appeal and in terms of the impact that, it, that it, it's having on the on the club and the players, manager, fans? Do, do you think it is a, is a factor? I think like you, like you were saying, it... Of course, it was already, you know, play, playing a role. And, you know, like Lee mentioned, we, we responded so well toward the end of last year. And we were talking on the podcast about, you, you know, the, the the mental strength strength and the team ethic that had been generated in response to that. But I think what you said there, Mike's really, really important that, you know, that the Premier League and people involved with this so-called, um, you know, second hearing have come out, haven't they, and have set an expectation that, a decision is imminent um and like you say it's been so widely reported and you know almost you know taken factually of course that's going to be hanging over the players and um you know and playing a role every every single person associated with you know with football at the moment is, is kind of hanging on the edge of the seat waiting for this decision and look of course we're, we're an everton podcast but this affects so many teams beyond Everton. So it's, you know, it has risk of dominating not only our season and our future, but I, I think the entire season for, for the majority of the Premier League. And they just need to resolve it and get it wrapped up. Um, because, yeah, it, it, you really can see a, a difference, I think, in, in our, uh, our level of performance and the way that we're approaching games. And we do seem very, very cautious I mean, the, the Crystal Palace performance for me was the worst performance of the season, but it, it just had the feeling of being so defensive and, and negative and like every single element of our play with the ball almost seemed to be about, you know, keep the shape, don't disrupt things too much. And, you know, that, that was the type of football we were used to seeing under Sam Allardyce. Um which is not football at all. So it it just need it, we just need to draw a line under it and know where we stand so that we can move forward. But it's it's definitely having a negative in, impact now, and you can't expect the players to to maintain the you know the, the level of performance that we managed to get into toward the end of last year because it's it's just not sustainable. And you're going to reach a natural point where this needs to conclude, and I, I don't know why they would come out and set an expectation that everyone's going to hear imminently and then not follow it up. It's It, it just fits in with the, the complete circus um, that, you know, that this whole situation has been. Well, we've, we've spent a third of the season effectively now with a 10-point deduction. Sean Dyche came out in his post-match yesterday and broke ranks for the first time, really. He's been very straight down the line, hasn't he? Batting off a lot of questions, you know, effectively coming out and saying... 
what you call the rhetoric, really, just like, yeah, you know, we, we, we will deal with it. We'll deal with it as it comes. The players, you know, we, we all we can do is prepare them for the match, et cetera, et cetera. He broke ranks yesterday for the first time, really, didn't he? And said post-match saying, look, why on earth have we had this points deduction when it's not actually 10 points? You know, we've heard that we're going to be getting something back uh, potentially. So, you know, it's not a 10 point deduction. Why are we spending, you know, effectively a third of the season when we know that that points is not going to be 10? And, he, and to be honest, for me, and, and he, I think he's handled this whole thing exceptionally well. And we've all said that he's guided the shit through really, you know, tough waters in this time. But, but I think he should have been saying that from the very start. And it's easy to say that now in hindsight while we're sitting here waiting to be shot by the Premier League. But at the same time, I think he should have been that vocal from the very start saying, look, and he basically came out and said what I think I said on a podcast ages ago, saying the appeal, the 10 points shouldn't have been applied until the appeals heard. Because it's not the actual you know, punishment that's going to happen by the looks of it. Because that completely, you know, the table now won't be the table potentially next week, will it? When when we get uh, hopefully hopefully all points back, but the rumours are that it won't be all of them. But points still stand. You know what I mean? And and that that just doesn't affect us, like you just said there, Pete. There's other teams around us. You know, the Luton manager came out the other day and said, "I I look at Everton. Everton are in, in, in effectively in our dressing room. I've got ten points back." That's what he said, didn't he? I look at the table without Everton being in there with an asterisk asterisk next to them. So it's it's it's. You know, I hate to say because I've said it a million times, the whole thing has been a shambles. And the latest, the fact that it's taken this long is also a shambles. And you know, it's just an absolute joke that it's now starting to affect, I, you know, as James Garner alluded to there, it's kind of affecting the mental health of the players now as well, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? In terms of clearly Dice is going in. We, cast your mind back to the home games. We've been awful at home this season and it started early doors. But if you remember the Fulham and the Wolves game, Yes, we didn't win those games, but if you remember them, we were fl- we were flooding bodies forward, weren't we? We were trying to score goals. We were missing sitters, if anything. Our XG was obviously a lot higher, and we just couldn't we couldn't put the ball in the net. The amount of chances we were creating in those games, and then obviously we got done on on the on the old smash and grab. But if you look at the Palace game, it was the complete opposite of that, wasn't it? Palace there without their best players under the lights at Goodison, it should have been us from the from the first whistle. Just throwing about, you know, everybody forward trying to get a goal, and yeah, it started really, really slow and laborious, didn't it? And then that was effectively the the whole first half. But if you remember the Fulham and the Wolves game, like I said, we flooded bodies forward. We were taking risks. So Dice has clearly, effectively, made the decision now. Going, you know what? Clean sheets, clean sheets, and if we nick a goal like we did yesterday, brilliant goal by the way from Branthwaite. We haven't talked about that enough yet, but brilliant goal. That's his mindset now. He's, like he said, he's almost gone, you know what, clean sheets, everybody behind the ball, and if we nick it from a set piece, then so be it. Now, you just said it before, Mike, if we'd have got those 10 points back or we were 10 points better off now, would he be playing as pragmatic as that? I don't think he would. I genuinely don't think he would. I think he's got to the point, hasn't he, where when we had that initial upturn, well, say upturn, we were in decent form before the 10 point deduction you know you think back to the Palace game we went we went away and won 3-2 um, Everton weren't in bad form before then but we we kept things going and got some great wins after you know uh, in adversity it was like it was a an, an initial reaction wasn't it and then it's almost then because this is dragged on and dragged on and there's no sign of, of, of any kind of uh, 
resolution or result over the last the last few weeks. It's it's, it's as if now it's like, okay, shut up shop like you say, Lee, and then see what we can get. Can, can we nick a goal? You know, we 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 seem you know even yesterday's goal, it's from a set piece again, isn't it? It's it's a long it's a long set piece where the defenders have gone up. It's a fantastic finish, you know. I know it, it was a long free kick, was it from from Jordan Pickford who's who's thrown it in. <clears throat> it's a fantastic goal, of course. You know, Branthwaite has shown you know how, how good he is on both feet. But what a strike that is, you know. If, if one of our centre forwards did that, if we wouldn't be in, be in this position. But you know, we we're just not offering much of a threat going forward um, in open play. And that's the thing. I mean, we, as I say, we had chances a bit later on <clears throat> yesterday, but we're not creative at all. We are. It's almost what what we have. We hold against anybody, so we'll be hard to beat. And like you say, nick a goal, then then fantastic. But it, it's hard for the manager. You know, you mentioned about being a bit more outspoken from the off in regards to to the deduction and things like that. Technically, they're not allowed to, are they? You know, they get quizzed on it, but he's going to just tow the, tow the party line and say, well, you know, we've got to wait for the outcome of the, the appeal or we're going down the appeal route and we've got to wait to see what comes out of that. It, even now, the frustration, you know, is, is seeping out now, isn't it? And it's hard to contain it because this that that's a sure sign. When, when the manager starts to speak out like the way he did yesterday and after the press conference on Thursday, you know it's impacting then and you know he's getting fed up I'm frustrated because he's operating in difficult circumstances. And I know people people will say yesterday, you know, about the style of football and, you know, we're 1-0 up and they're down to 10 men and, and we're still sitting back. Well, of course we are because we, we don't then become a fantastic football side because they've had a man sent off. The players have still got the ability that they had five minutes earlier and Everton is still set up to play a particular way that they're comfortable with. So Everton aren't just going to change, change that because a man's being sent off. And to be fair, Everton did everything right and they defended well from from you know for their goal. Brantwaite's got, got a great head on the ball away. I thought it was poor from Harrison in terms of his little flick header. And then Beto got done uh, by by Gross, didn't he, on the on their right hand side. I mean, any you know, with all the players you want out there defending that, you don't want it to be Beto and he's gone one way, the other way, and then back again. And it wasn't great for him either. You know, it's a great ball, it's a great header from from Dunk, but you know, Everton did everything right and we're a few minutes away there, and people would have said it. I, I guarantee you, if we win that game one nil, people go, "That's a great performance there from Sean Dice. What, what a great tactical performance that is going to Brighton and getting a one nil win." But that's football; it's fine margins. So it goes from that narrative to, "Oh, Dice, Dice is set up all the way through. Was horrendous. Went down to ten men, and we were still playing in a particular way. We're not going to change that way. You, you know how we set up. You know what our strengths are. So we're going to play to our strengths." We're not going to change that because we've gone down to 10 men. We're winning 1-0. And we're going to try and protect that 1-0 lead. And we almost did it. And we, we did all right. We did, we, did, we did well bar that one mistake. And the mistake was the header from Harrison and Beto not, not defending particularly well uh, against that cross. But I think, I think there's an argument to say, I know what you're saying there, you know, Brighton are a much better possession-based team than we are. Simple as that. It's the way they play. You know, there's an argument to try and say, Nine minutes was a joke, by the way. I agree with you there. I would have thought it had been about six, but, you know, that's another story. We should, it's a lottery, in it? Just pull a ball out of a hat and see how many minutes there is. But but basically, like, there's an argument to kind of say, were we a bit more, could we have been a bit more savvy? Do Basically, do what most shithousery teams do nowadays is feign a head injury, feign it, constantly go down, like you've, you know, that, that you've got a problem, get the physio on. 
You know what I mean? Take it to the corner flag, pass it around the back for half an hour. You know what I mean? I mean, there's an argument to say that we could have potentially seen it out maybe a bit better rather than, you know, allowing, a, you know, potentially danger into our box. But you are right, Mike. At the end of the day, even 10 men or not, most teams, if you're 1-0 up away from home, you're going to drop off. And, and Brighton are good enough to knock it around anyway, aren't they? They've, like I said, they've got enough technical players there. A bit like City in a way, even with 10 men. How many times have, you, have we seen City in the past, you know what I mean, keep the ball with 10 men better than the, the opposition so yeah and at and the end of the day it's a good header you know Godfrey's you know he's got the run on Godfrey and, he, and, he, and he's, won, he's won the ball above him we know he's good in the air it's just annoying because I suppose Pickford he hasn't bulleted it and it sort of floated over the top of him hasn't it which is a bit unfortunate really if he'd got a little bit less on it probably would have saved it but we're going, going back to going back to your point before I, th- I think there's definitely been a, there's definitely been a change in the way in the way he's setting us up. There's no doubt about it. I, I understand your point about Dyche being has to toe the party line, but can you imagine if this was? And I know we're going back a bit, here, but can you imagine if this was, say, Brian Clough back in the day, or even Mourinho? Mourinho, you know, classic outspoken manager. They'd have come out. They'd have come out and called this out ages ago, wouldn't they? Going, this is a joke. This is a joke. Now, I know that's not in Dyche's nature. He's clearly a person that likes to follow the rules and everything else. But, you know, if that would have been a Jose or, you know, back in the day, a Clough or someone like that, they would have called this out for what it is. They'd have said, this is a joke. This is an absolute joke. I don't care. You can ask me what you want in a press conference. But the fact we're operating here with a 10-point deduction and it's still not being resolved, sort yourselves out. You know, and, and they would have come out and said stuff like that, whether they would have got maybe ticked off for that or a fine or whatever. But, you know, it's important. We put a bit of pressure on them as well. I just think he's been, like I said, it's in his nature. He's straight down the line. Maybe I'm being what I would probably be like, but and, and we've all got different personalities. But I, I, now it's starting to affect the dressing room 100%. Because like you said, he's come out and he's started to say things in press conferences, which he clearly sees its impact in the dresser. Um, and I, I think it needs to be called out for what it is. And if, if we get a points, you know, we, we do get some points back and then we're back in the dock again in, in April, then I'm sorry, then the season has been an absolute write-off, hasn't it? I, I just can't get over it, by the way. One one thing, thing that which I think people are missing is how on earth in the same season can you deal with two separate charges and then effectively give two points deductions in the same season for the same thing? I don't get it. I don't know how that's even allowed. I know it's because of doing, they've got a, a rule change coming in and things like that, which again suits all you know those those same sides. But I don't understand how that's, how that's even allowed. Our Premier League seems to say, oh, that that's okay. We'll allow, we'll allow for that. That, that. that just can't be a thing. You know, we, we could have, say, say we get five points back, but then in April they go, oh, no, yeah, here's another five points off you for the second charge. How, is that even, how can that even happen? You know, and again, we've mentioned it before, and I know we're probably repeating ourselves, but the double jeopardy attached to this, this second charge when two-thirds of that second charge, effectively those years, I've been dealt with the first one. So I hope, and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm sure Super Silk's well ahead of the game, that he's gone, well, it's all, all well and good doing us for this charge here. And okay, you give us a 10-point deduction. Here's, here's what we're saying you haven't taken into account and here's some new evidence and et cetera, et cetera. But when it comes to the second charge, I hope he's gone. Well, if you're going to do us for this, you can't do us for the second charge because in 22-23, the club made strides, selling Anthony Gordon for 45 million quid and bringing nobody in. Cutting the wage bill back drastically. We've done a lot to try and become a lot more compliant, that's for sure. 
So you then can't then say to us, well, we're going to give you another points deduction when those two years have been dealt with in that previous four-year period, obviously with, with uh, two years combined for COVID. So how can that even happen? So hope, I'm, I'm hopeful that, you know, if they give us a few points back, the second charge then does go away. And that's what Everton, I think, if you look at Everton's statements when they, they were referred for a second time, Everton almost alluded to that, you know, and said, because I think somebody came out about uh, Everton admitted to the to the second charge. Now, Everton did admit, admit to the second charge. What happens is when you present your accounts and Everton said, those are we, we were forced to submit these accounts because as far as we're concerned, the subject to changing the wrong. So when you submit accounts, which automatically have breached uh, PSR, then th- that's an admission of guilt almost. It, it's in the wording. So it's, it's not us saying we're guilty. You don't decide the guilt until you have the hearing. So all this talk about Everton and, and Forrest as well have admitted guilt. No, we haven't. We've submitted accounts that you're saying breach the regulations. And we're saying, well, one, there's factors behind it. Two, they're going to change. Um, and, and we get our chance to, to present all these things in front of a panel when that comes up. So the whole thing is an absolute circus. And, and I'm I'm sick and tired of the way that it's it's dictated and continues to, to dictate our season. You know, the, the whole the whole season has been awash with with all this talk. You know, was it was it March, March last year when the charge came about? And we're still 12 months later, we're still no further down the line in terms of what the actual outcome of that first charge is, which is just incredible. But then we've got to then source a second charge in the next two months. It's just it doesn't make sense. Well, I agree with what you say. I mean, some Leeds and Leeds and Leicester fans will point to the fact why didn't we get it? Last season, obviously, that wasn't through our own doing. That was the Premier League and the timescales they handled it, wasn't it? I mean, for all the wisdom, Monday Night Football having Jesse March on. Um, I don't know who was tuning into that, by the way. Jesse March, you know, they're portraying him like the, the next Carlo Ancelotti, for God's sake. He was on Monday Night Football and then he mentioned, he got asked about the points charge and then he referred to that saying, well, you know, um, we'd have preferred that last season. My team may have stayed up. All right, thanks, Jesse. Um, you know, at the end of the day, if you'd actually looked into it, it was the Premier League that basically stalled on all of that. But there's definitely, you know, you look at Carragher, he puts these polls up on Twitter saying, what shall I talk about on Monday Night Football? And the Everton points deduction was one of the things. In the end, they got outvoted because obviously he's mainly got Liverpool fans that follow him. Talk, let's let's talk about Alonso's by Leverkusen. <laughs> all right, mate, let's, let's, let's talk about that. Then nothing to do with the Premier League, but let's talk about that because you want to bang the drum to bring your mate and take over, take over, you know, Klopp at the end of the season. But the point I'm saying is, is you know, the likes of Carragher, who's not afraid to say things as it is, he's clearly been told to shut up about most of this in terms of saying what he thinks. Definitely. You know, even on that Monday night thing when they were talking about it, they, 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 were, they were talking on the outskirts of it. You know what I mean? They were fringing around it. They weren't really getting into it, kind of saying, well, look, there's X, Y. All they keep on saying is, oh, yeah, Mashiri, Mashiri's been awful. We all know that. Let's, well, let's just actually talk about and have a proper debate. Get Andy Burnham on. right? Andy Burnham's saying he was censored on that interview. Get him on Monday Night Football and why don't you have a 20-minute chat about it? Because that would be a debate that a lot of people would actually want to listen to. You know what I mean? Let Andy Burnham you know, coherently put across to you know, Carragher in there on, on the thing and let's have a conversation. But they'll never do that because they've been censored. They've been censored. They've been told not to say anything. Or if they do talk about it, literally skirt around the subject. You know, what do you think it, it'd be like if it was the other end of the table? If this was Manchester City with a 10-point deduction, you wouldn't hear the end of what's going to happen at the end of the season. Is this affecting City's title race? How's this yeah. going to play out? Jurgen Klopp, what do you think? What's it like for Liverpool playing yeah. under this pressure and this uncertainty? 
you wouldn't hear the end of it. But it's, it, you know, the, the only reason that this has been on the agenda as much as it has is, is because of the work of Evertonians. Yeah, I, I totally agree, Pete. Otherwise, it'd have been literally chip, chip paper, wouldn't it? You know what I mean? No one would, no one would have carried on talking about it. We've, we've tried to keep it as relevant as we can. And credit to, you know, to to Burnham and, and a few others. He's obviously got some of his MP colleagues and all that. You know, to, to to voice to voice their opinions on it. Whether it's had an impact or not, only time will tell. But but yeah, but it's it, the whole thing is 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 has really impacted. Uh, you know, as, let's be honest, football's there for enjoyment, isn't it? At the end of the day, yes, you're going to have ups and downs. Yes, you're going to have, you know, you know, look at Leeds fans singing the other day. This time last year, they weren't doing that, were they? Do you know what I mean? They were, you know, the, the, when they beat Leicester uh, uh, earlier in the week. But but the point is, football is there for enjoyment. It's there, you know, to have enjoy with your friends, with your family, you know, go home and away, whatever you do. And this has totally tarnished that season, totally tarnished it. And it's, if, you know, you have to give credit to the players because in the main, they've handled it really, really well. And, you know, for those calling out Dyson, like, yes, it's not exactly great to watch right now. But, you know, he, he's done an incredible job in very, very tough circumstances. And we should be literally on, you know, 30 points around mid-table, like you said, Mike. But we're not because we're, we're, still, we're still answerable to these, these things going on in the background. And, and that, that, for me, needs to, be, needs to be out there. You know, he's done a hell of a job in a really, really tough time. Yeah, of course, of course. And, and if it is one of those sides at the top end of the table, the ramifications are much less if they have a 10-point deduction than if someone like ourselves who, you know, should be in and around sort of 12 position in, in, the, in the table if we have a 10-point deduction. Anyone dealing with that outside of sort of the top sort of eight positions, it has a massive impact. And don't forget as well, has a massive impact on the money that you get in for your final league position as well, which is funny because it's, it, at the moment, it's to the tune of about 20 million quid, which is the breach apparently, which you said that we've had. So it's all, you know, all these things that you, you that you look at and you just think it, absolutely, it just, it, it stinks to high heaven. But let, let's end, obviously, this part on a, a slightly more upbeat note if we can. And that's that's the goal of Jared Brantley because we've got, to, we've, we've got to talk about that, you know. For a sense of half, we know he's a, he's a lovely footballer. We, we know what, what he's got in his locker. But what a finish that is. You know, great first touch with the right foot, by the way, when it's it's come to him. Shifted it. Top corner. It's it's a fantastic strike. And, and Pete, you know, obviously got his first goal, didn't he? Um, against against Tottenham only a few weeks ago, which was, you know, a typical. It was a header, wasn't it? If you can call it that, or almost off his nose. Um, but that kind of goal from Jared Brantwaite is just, it's unbelievable to see a centre half do that, and you know, take out the equation if you can. But there's there's a few little calls for him potentially now looking at going to Euro 2024 in the summer as well. Well, I'm not I'm not surprised because he's he's been Mister Consistent, hasn't he? And uh, yeah, absolutely tough for him to, to get the goal. And like like you say, the way he took it, uh, it's it's easy on a on a replay, but he doesn't have a lot of time there. You know, even even with the way he sets himself up with the first touch, and it's just such a lovely finish. You know, it's it's not even like he's put his foot through it. He's, you know, he know he knows what he's doing there. He's 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 you know he's placed that absolute absolute beautifully. Um, but he's just such a lovely footballer. I I did realise. Um, but he apparently he was, he was a midfielder, wasn't he? Until he was uh he was about sixteen. Which again, when you see him play, and how good he is on the ball, um. Well, you know, it, it speaks for itself, doesn't it? Makes makes perfect sense, and you, you know, it, it's only a good thing for Everton, both in the present and the future. I mean, I'd love for him to um, to stay with us for as long as possible because he's getting better and better and he's developing. But he's attracting an awful lot of attention at the moment. So the better he plays, 
the, the more this price tag goes up, which is a horrible way to think about it. But you know, we, we want to benefit from from him either for as long as we can or for as much as he can when um, when he does leave the club. But he, he's just going from strength to strength, isn't he? And he, he seems to be enjoying his football as well, which under the circumstances is quite the statement, I think. What I loved, what I loved, the goal was brilliant. What I loved one probably more was the way the players ran to celebrate with him. Yeah, the, the, every single player on that pitch ran over to him, didn't they? And and, and the accolades he got. He's clearly well-liked in the dressing room as well. You know, the way he carries himself um, off the pitch, you can see it's the way he plays on the pitch, isn't it? He's so calm, so composed. He gets himself out of really tight spots when he's under pressure because he's so two-footed, isn't he? He can play with either foot. You know, if someone presses him down his left, you know, then he plays it with his right. If someone presses him on his right, he plays it with his favoured foot on his left. And, yeah, he's 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 such a lovely, classy footballer, isn't he? I think classy is the word you'd sum up with him, wouldn't you? He just he just everything seems you know pretty easy for him, and and that's a sign of a top top defender, as we know. You know, you look at the players that have come through like that over the years, like Rio and people like that, who, who just seem so like a Rolls Royce, don't they? In a way, very rarely, like I said the other week, very rarely he has to go to ground. Um, people will point to that Haaland, uh, you know, thing where he where he tripped on his back foot, but. Overall, the rest, the rest of that game, he marshalled Haaland brilliantly. And he marshalled Ferguson brilliantly yesterday. Edwin Ferguson's a real talented player. He'll probably go on and have a fantastic career. I know he's struggling for goals a little bit at the minute, but Ferguson barely had a kick yesterday, didn't he? Barely had a kick. You know what I mean? And that, and that was down to Bramthwaite, obviously marshalling him. And, and so his performance yesterday, again, was, was outstanding. And Cat with that. It deserved to be a winning goal. That goal deserved to be a winner in the end. He, he took it brilliantly. And... Um, you know, it's just a shame we couldn't get the second. Like you said, Mike, we had a couple of chances after City Beto, we just, you know, again, wild, needs a bit more composure. Um, you know, but overall, on another point, by the way, and do you remember obviously in the summer, it seems like a distant memory now, um, how how much and how long we chased for Wilfred Nonto at Leeds. You cannot, you know, at the time a lot of us were asking, why are we go why are we doing that? How's he gonna get in the team? We've just signed Harrison. You know, we've got McNeil on the other side who dice really favours. Um, but then now you can see why. Now you can see why. And the reason why is, you know, it's it's just having that uh, that winger who can basically run at players, consistently run at players, but also carry a goal threat. Because our wingers at the minute are just, you know, they're, they're not carrying a goal threat whatsoever, are they? You know what I mean? In terms of, you know, I know Harrison made a difference when he came on against Palace, you know, because he was, he, unlike Young, he was running at, running at, he started running at the full back and put some good crosses in. But ultimately, we don't really carry enough of a threat out wide. We just don't at all. You know, this time, well, this same fixture last year, we obviously went there and famously scored five. McNeil got two. You know, both of them outstanding goals. But, yeah, he, he's, he's carried nowhere near the same threat this year, McNeil. I know he's carrying an injury. I know he's got a lot of stuff going on in his personal life. Um, but you can clearly see he's carrying nowhere near the same threat, both in terms of assist potential, by the way, and and goal-scoring uh, threat, isn't he? Yeah, the, the wide area is a, a bit of an issue. As I say, Harrison's got a better output than, than McNeil this year. We notice, obviously, McNeil's had quite a few off-the-field issues, which certainly play into his performances, and you understand why, by the way. So it's not about digging him out at all, but we, we do need a bit more um, from the wide areas in terms of goals, assists, and also impact on games as well. You know, I think against Palace, McNeil came to life when... Everton came to life and Onana was on the pitch and uh, we, we looked a bit more 
of, of a goal threat and, and he was doing what he what he does getting some really great crosses into the box against Palace and we didn't really see it again yesterday did we um so it's it's one of those where we, we, we do need them to, to be chipping in that's for sure because we, we are short of goals you know the, the goals get spread around but we, we're not certainly not scoring many goals are we um the strikers aren't scoring you see, obviously Brantley's got a couple in, in recent weeks Harrison chips in but we, we do need more overall from, from everybody, to be honest with you. Um, well, the commentator said yesterday, Mike, João Pedro, who was obviously, thank God, he wasn't playing yesterday, because I really liked it. He he was the player I wanted us to replace Richarlison with. I didn't realise he scored 19 goals this season. In yeah, all I, think ha- I think half a pens, aren't they? I think. Yeah, they so. are, but, but still, he's, he's on the verge of 20 goals. What we'd give for a striker to be on the verge of 20 goals. You know I mean? We can't, we, we can't even get it. We can't even get a pen. So you'd only score about nine at Everton. So that, that, that no, be, you, you know what I'm saying, though. You know what I'm saying. But you know, they got, you know, all in all, overall, we'll look back and go on paper, it's not a bad point. And by the way, that tackle from Brantwaite on a dingre in the second half, late on, what a tackle that is, and that's what he's all about, isn't he? That that's that's his bread and butter. He celebrated that more than he celebrated his goal. But we've got we've got a real a real gem in Brantwaite, and and I'm hopeful that we can keep him beyond the summer. You, you know, I think to lose him and Onana in the same window is almost unforgivable. But finances will always dictate. Um, but he he was terrific again yesterday, and as you say, the goal was worthy of winning any game of football. And it's just just a shame that we couldn't we couldn't hold out. But listen, it's it's another point. Hopefully this week come and we we, we get an answer to our appeal and we go into the West Ham game on a slightly more positive footing because I think, you know, we if we get, say, four or five points back, and by the way, I'll caveat that with, I won't be sitting here being grateful because I think it's a disgrace that we've lost, we've lost 10 points anyway. But if we go into, with, a, with a few more points than what we've got now, that lift things come come next week and we're going to discuss that game after this short break. Welcome back to the second part of today's Unholy Chancy podcast as we look ahead to the visit of West Ham to go to some parking and, and David Moyes. Under a bit of pressure, it's got to be said. Um, West Ham, top half of the table. Um, obviously, a couple of disappointing defeats recently. Um, they qualify for the obviously next round of the, the Europa League. So they, you know, they're not doing too bad to be honest with you. But David Moyes, as he's been quite often at West Ham over the years, over his two his two tenures there, he's been under a little bit of pressure, and the fans just don't seem to like David Moyes. It's as simple as that. Brought in the first trophy since about nineteen twenty three. And he, he just can't catch can't catch a break. But um it's a it's a another game at Goodison Park, which um, we're looking at our fixtures now, looking at our home games and and seeing what's on the horizon. And a game that we, we throw into the category piece of it's winnable and say, you know, like the Palace game was. But it's a game that Everton really we've got to be looking at that thinking we we can go into that game and we can we can come away with three points. Definitely, absolutely. I, I I really don't want to jinx jinx us now, but I think I was saying to you before the the, the Palace game, we, Everton always seemed to have this habit of playing teams just at like the 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 beginning of um, them climbing up the apex again. We always seem to play teams who have gone through a difficult patch just at the point they decide to start playing football again, or or something seems to click for them, or they, you know they get the opportunity to change. So I'm I'm hoping that we're playing West Ham at the right time because. The, you know they really seem to be um, to be struggling at the moment, and I, I think you know like we were talking about at the start of the pod, we've maybe dropped off in terms of you know our level of performance and our form, and 
you know, what we're maybe used to seeing and expecting from Everton. Um, you know, West Ham seem to have, have dropped off a bit of a cliff. You know, they, they've gone from, you know, be, beating Spurs, uh, beat United, beat Arsenal, to then going on the succession of a, a couple of draws and then getting absolutely hammered. You know, 3-0 by United, 6-0 by Arsenal, lost 2-0 to Forest. Um, obviously, they went, they went out of the cup to, to Bristol City, which... You know, you could. I guess you can understand that the, the fans are really upset about. It. So there's a lot of pressure on them at the moment, and a lot of scrutiny. Um, and I think when you look at the form table, I, the the you know the the right down there. Um, so yeah, hopefully it's a, it's a case of right team, right time, and we're able to get our our um, you know our first win back on on the table and take a bit of the pressure off us. Yeah, they, they're not in, in the in the best of form, are they? Um, which obviously semi explains why there's pressure on David Moyes. Um, but like I say, when you look at the bigger picture, which I think it's always important for fans of any club to, to do that. They're not in a bad position, are they? You know, they sit ninth. You know, they, they're playing Brentford on Monday. If they get a win against Brentford, they go up to eighth above, above Newcastle, um, and they're, they're obviously still in, still in Europe as well. Um, so you understand why there's, there's a bit of pressure. Um, but it doesn't make them a bad side. They've had obviously injuries as well to, to key players. Um, so I think, you know, after losing Declan Rice in the summer, they haven't done too bad. And they've got one player in, in Kudus. I know, I know Lee, you're, you're a big fan of, of Kudus and, and a player we were heavily linked to where we was very, very close to, to, to coming to go to some park. And if it wasn't for Anthony Sarna from Man United, Kudus would have been, would have been here. Um, but they, they are a side that do carry a, a real threat, the likes of him, War Prowse, who we know at Southampton, he, he carried that side for a number of years. So we know how dangerous he is, especially from set pieces. We've seen in ourselves at Goodison Park, what he can do. Um, but certainly not a side to be underestimated, but a side that, that can be beaten. Yeah, you, you know how much I like Kudis and how I'm still annoyed that we didn't get it, get it over the line. Um, you know, I've said it a million times. The fact United paid ninety million for Anthony was a disgrace in a way. The fact that stopped us getting him. You know, I can guarantee you now, if Onana goes in the summer, you know, it would have been. And if Kudis was still at Ajax, he probably would have been the first name on the shopping list, wouldn't he? Because he's he's exactly the type of player we need. Um, he hit a bit of a purple patch before he went to the Afcon. He was scoring goals. You know, carrying a real threat. Um, we massively miss a ball carrier in this side right now. It's exactly what he is. He's strong. He's got a lovely left foot. The big difference for West Ham, though, tailing off, massive difference for West Ham tailing off, is none of the names that you've mentioned there, but is is, is Lucas Paqueta. Paqueta is everything to them, the way they play. When he's not playing, they're ba- he's almost like their Eze for Palace, isn't it? In the fact that he's, he's a brilliant footballer, um, he's almost, dare I say it, um, a bit Hammers-esque, isn't he, in the fact that he's got a lovely left foot, he can spot passes that no one else can. When he's playing in that West Ham team and they've got runners like Kudis and Bowen running beyond him, who are more than happy to make runs, they look a completely different outfit. Now, the rumours are that Paqueta is on the verge of coming back. I believe he's back in training from what I've read. Hopefully, hopefully, you know, he's only fit enough for the bench when he plays us. Um, you know, because that could be a huge difference for them. Um, like I said, it's all well and good having runners with the balls who make these runs. You've still got to have the quality to find them. And, and that's where he comes in. And 
you know, those three players would walk into our into our side, wouldn't they? Bowen, Kudis, Paqueta would walk straight into the Everton team right now, um, uh, yeah, and pure, you know, purely for their for their creativity alone and, and, and their ability to score goals and, and, and assist. So let's see what happens with that in terms of if he is fit enough to play. Um, I know West Ham are playing today, aren't they? So Monday, we'll, we'll, sorry, Monday night, sorry. So we'll see if he's back in the team for that. Um, but yeah, he's in, he's in contention apparently to, to be in the squad on Monday. Is that what it said? Yeah, yeah. Well, there you go then. So you know, if he's in the squad, he may have a cameo on Monday with a view to possibly starting against us. But um, all I would say is, if he does start against us at Goodison, then just get Tarkovsky to put him in the stands early doors, um, because you know he doesn't react well to being tackled. But um, but no, look, West Ham have had a really indifferent season. Pete just mentioned it before; they had a great run. Uh, before, ironically, before the Afcon over that Christmas period, and then they sort of tailed off since, and a lot of it has been since he's been injured. Um, plus, they've obviously got that um, this, the other defensive mid they signed from Ajax as well, Alvarez. Most West Ham's will point he's the most important player as well, and the fact the way he just sits in that sort of number six role in front of the defence, you know, they've lost him at times this season as well, and he's been a big player for them. So, um, you know, if if Onana, it'd be interesting to what you you boys think. If Onana does go in the summer, and, and let's be honest, he, he he definitely will. And you know, Branthwaite is a chance he may go as well. You know, they're the types of players. We've got to be looking at, and we scouting wise. You know what I mean? The players that you would say are just below sort of, you know, Champions League level, if you like, players that we can afford, players that won't demand the earth in terms of wages, but will improve us as a side. You know, cause, you know, I know Moyes famously had a run in, didn't he, with the director of football over the signings and the or the use of the Declan Rice money. But if you look at it overall, the fact they got Kudus, uh, Alvarez, um, and uh, Ward Prowse. For one player, I mean that—that that for me, I'd have been happy with that. Do you know what mm. I mean? To get those three players, if you like, because let's be honest, I know Onana won't go for quite the same as the Rice money, but I, I'd still want 70, 80 million for him. Yeah, I think I think there's no reason why we shouldn't be looking at that. And and I said as as well, there's a reason why certain clubs are looking at Onana and clubs who are playing Champions League football on a regular basis, so they know his quality. So I know we get a, a bit of stick from Everton fans. Um, but for me, I mean, the, the impact that he had against City, the impact that he had against Palace, and then again yesterday against Brighton, that's what he's all about. He moves the ball quickly. We've seen him now, I think, the last the last three games, drive with the ball more, which is what we want him to do, is carry the ball. You know, he, his decision-making, he seems to be better. His, his range of passing is good. And then, obviously, he got a goal against Palace as well. And, and he's a threat, isn't he? You know, he, he maybe should have done a little bit better from a corner that came in against Brighton. But I think, you know, it was that many bodies there. It was difficult for him to see where the, ball, where the ball was. But he's a real threat as well. So we're, we, we're asking him, well, to, to, to bring more goals to the party. He was only one goal last season, which was against Southampton. He scored three this season. So even just if he gets to five and he becomes that sort of... He's a defensive midfielder, but he's got bags of ability. You know, you've got to demand the man good money for him. And I'm sure that Everton will. You know, we've got to pay so much, obviously, to his previous club as well. When he when he goes, it's all part of the deal. And we owe them, owe them so much anyway. They've got a, a sell-on fee. So, you know, we've got to make sure we come out with a good bit of money for ourselves as well. Um, so, from on a, from a pure profit basis, Brantwaite is the one that you'd, that you'd make the more money on. 
but obviously you've got to demand some good good money for for Onana. But he's got to come in now, hasn't he? I mean, obviously Garner Gay went off with a looked like a bit of a groin injury yesterday. Um, so you'd expect the midfield to be Onana and James Garner come come Saturday against West Ham. And and you know if if, if Pakatar is back, you know as you say, you know how important he is. Obviously Alvarez in there as well. We've got to make sure that we 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 get it. Someone who's a bit more physical and and that that's that's Onana and and someone who can get his foot on the ball and when we've got possession, use it wisely and use it correctly and that's where we've been, we've been poor at times when we do have the ball. Palace especially that first half we were horrendous. You know we couldn't pass the ball more than five six yards. You know it was it was bobbling everywhere. That you know we were overhitting simple passes, and that's what Onana brings is that little bit of assurance on the ball. Um, but you know they've got threats <coughs> throughout. You know Jared Bowen's one we haven't even mentioned. You know we know what what how good he is and the pace that he's got. Um, you know so they're going to be they're going to be a, a difficult side, a difficult nut to crack. But we've got to get that win from somewhere. It's so important, you know. And we, we've got to. I do think that if if we do get here some news this coming week in regards to the points, then going in there with four, five, six more points, you know. Imagine getting 10 back, but imagine just having some more points on the board instantly relieves some pressure, doesn't it? You know, for the players, for the manager, it stops the questions as well, which I'm sure he's sick and tired of, of answering questions about. The players are probably the same now because they're now getting quizzed on it. So I think all in all, you know, it could be a, a week that that is filled with a bit more positivity than what we've had. And we can go into the game looking up, not looking down. You know, a bit more relaxed, the pressure off our shoulders a little bit, and a side that's looking more towards mid table than, than the bottom three. That's our hope, anyway, isn't it? You know, but you know, we're dealing with the Premier League here, so who, who am I to have hope when it comes to them? They can't even make a decision over our, our ownership issues, which is just fast because we're, we're six months into that. You know, like they always want to kill the club, you know, um, and I'm sure people who are into conspiracy theories have got, got a few of them off the Premier League, but I think it's an absolute farce. But uh, you know, I always enjoy getting back to Goodison Park, getting back to your normal seats as well. It's got to be said, you know, as, as Lee mentioned, me and him were sitting in the main stand looking through the letterbox of the Palace game. And we know what Goodison Park's like. And, you know, we, we got offered a couple of seats together. So um, I moved for the game and I won't be doing that again. That's for sure. <laughs> it's absolutely horrendous. Um, but... We're back to Goodison Park. It's three o'clock on a Saturday, which is a rarity, which we, we always enjoy. Um, Pete, prediction, West Ham. Could it go 1 0 Everton, Decore goal, first goal, sit behind to get the job done? <laughs> Late. I'm going to say, yeah, we're overdue a win. It's an opportunity to get one. I just want Dice to be just, just a little bit, just a smidge more, more, more attacking. Um, and just have a go at them because their confidence is, you know, is 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 on the floor at the minute. Um, so if we do have a go at them from the off, I do think we'll win. And I'm going to say, I'm going to say two 0 You might get your wish. You might be a little bit more relaxed and play a little bit more open, uh, depending on what happens this week. That's for sure. Um, I'm going to. Say, I think we'll nick it. I think it'll be two one. Um, I'm always hopeful. Always hopeful at Goodison Park and. I do see enough, funny enough, in this effort, aside from an organisation um, viewpoint, that we 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 can we can win a game of football, and it will come, of course. Uh, but I think we ended the game by by two goals. So one, get that first win since Burnley away in in mid December, which is which is appalling, isn't it? 
Um, but got to be asked with the, the fixes that we've had in that time as well. It's not been it's not been easy. Um, so hopefully three points on the board on the board for Everton. But that <clears throat> that's us for this week. Um, just a little a couple of little reminders. Um, the first one being you might have seen a couple of adverts from ourselves for sportsbreaks.com. Just keep an eye on that because I know people will be keen to get to Goodison Park before obviously it closes next season. Um, so they do offer packages with hotels and tickets attached. So if, you, if you're not a season ticket holder or you, you can't get them uh, via the general sale or if you're a member and sometimes you miss out, you can't get tickets together. They're nearly all gone for this season. It's the odd one, I think, for the Brentford game and Sheffield United. But next season, keep an eye on that because it, it gets you into the ground, which is, I know people are really keen to, to experience once again before before Goodison Park closes. So we'll put out a couple more adverts for them as we get into the new season as well. Um, and also March's competition that will be launched probably at some point next week when we hit March. Funny enough, um, our competition winner got his got his five his five shirts yesterday from our birthday competition, which was which was great to see. So make sure you follow us on on Twitter for uh, for our monthly competitions as well. But that's us for today. Thank you for listening. Uh, we will catch you next weekend post West Ham. Hopefully discussing an Everton win. So we'll catch you then. The Unholy Trinity Podcast. Three blues. Three opinions. One Everton Podcast. Sports Social Podcast Network.